and welcome to the Psych in Business podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm very, very excited today because we have a very special guest with us today. We have with us my better half, my wife, Dr. Melinda Wade, who is also a gastroenterologist and leads a team of medical individuals in private practice. Dr. Wade is also a business leader in that she works on the board of directors of this private practice. I thought this would be a really interesting conversation because Dr. Wade does so many different things in the medical field, but is also uh, someone who has had the benefit of working with me from a coaching consulting perspective, not in a formally, but informally benefit, benefited from some of the things that I've been able to, to share with her as she's gone through her journey. So I thought it'd be really great to have her to come on the show and give us that perspective. So Melinda, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're here, Melinda. As I've said, I'm really excited for this conversation. I want to start, obviously, by starting off with your journey. Tell us a little bit about how you got into medicine, how you you became a gastroenterologist and ended up leading a team of people in the medical field, as well as a business leader on the board of directors. Well, I had no inkling that I was going into medicine growing up. In fact, I thought I was going to be a missionary. Um, It wasn't until college when I uh, had a mentor that I really respected Um, who was a theology major, who kind of turned me on to uh, the idea that you cannot reach people's higher um, spiritual needs if you can't address their basic functional needs. And uh, as I thought about that, medicine seemed like a pretty foundational issue. And Mm so um, that's how I decided on medicine. Um, I get asked a lot why I went into gastroenterology. People can't understand why <laughs> you would ever pick gastroenterology. Um, but I had some really great teachers in medical school that I really enjoyed. And then when I did my rotation in New York, um, I was pretty sold. It was a fast-paced um, specialty. It was a, a, a lot of variety. Um, we tend to think about uh, gastroenterology as... Um, colonoscopies, but there's a lot more involved, um, basically everything within the digestive tract. And so, uh, you get to think about, um, you know, everything from what you, you know, how things go down that you eat and how they're digested and how they come out. Um, and so we talk about a lot of different things. And so there's a lot of variability in there. I also liked how it was both clinical. So I got to know patients and Mm -hmm. have that long-term relationship with them, um, but also procedural. You have inpatient and outpatient. And basically I thought this is a specialty that could keep me interested. Yeah, I I really appreciate that uh, that history. And I I know one of the things that you really enjoy is working with patients. Uh, And I know nowadays, having worked with a lot of medical professionals, I know that that can also be quite challenging these days. Tell us a little bit about your approach when you're working with patients. Um. I have a very uh, collaborative approach to patients. Um, I understand that my role with them is limited. Um, I spend a half an hour with them, you know, maybe a couple times a year. And so I really have to take uh, an active listening position and find out about what, not only what's going on, not only symptoms, but what their goals are, what Mm -hmm. their um, life looks like with these issues that they're dealing with. And so, um, it really is a, a matter of gaining trust, listening to the patient, and then trying to figure out how I can help with the issues that I know are important for them from a medical standpoint, but also the things that they feel are the most important from a quality of life standpoint. Yeah. So how do you, how do, you do that? Because you have a limited time. I know when I go to the doctor, it doesn't seem like you have a lot of time with them and then you're done. How do you gain trust in that short amount of time? It's tricky. <laughs> Sometimes it, you actually push things off. 
you know, you might not address everything the first visit because you do need to build that trust and rapport. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think also just the idea of looking at people as a whole, Mm. people can tell when you care about them as a person, when you're involved in um, their life as a person, um, rather than just a set of diagnoses or a set of problems to fix. Um, And so it can be hard sometimes, Um, you know, not everybody is eager to be helped in the way that you're trying to help them and Mm -hmm. may not agree with the things that you're trying to do. Um, And so you just really have to um, build that, that trust. And I tell people, you know, I'm going to give you advice, but it's your life and you're going to make the decisions and I will still try to help you. I will still try to guide you and give you advice. But in the end, it's, it's going to be your decision. Hmm. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate how that's changed over time where in the past, it used to be where physicians were, would just tell you and you would just do what they said. Much more paternalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how have you managed that change over time? Because I know that there are still some times where um, patients kind of want that, right? They, they trust you to be the, the expert and to tell them what to do. Yeah, I have patients sometimes who say, I'll do whatever you say, doc. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I still give them options. One of the things that we have a responsibility to do as providers is talk about this is what I think you should do. These are your alternatives. These mm-hmm. are the risks. These are, you know, the the benefits and really give them a full picture so that they can make an educated decision. Mm-hmm. The The point is not to be that paternalistic, um, you know, I told you what to do kind of person. It's to allow people to make um, educated and reasonable decisions based on all the information that we can give them. Mm. Yeah, I, I love how you're describing that you really need to understand people and human behavior, even as a physician, when you're when you're working with with uh, patients about medical illnesses, you still need to understand people's personalities, you need to understand, you know, how to get people to to trust you, how to get people to listen to you and to work with you. Now, I know that as someone who who works in medicine, especially as a physician, you also lead a team of other medical professionals. And that's not something that you're necessarily trained to do in medical school. So how have you managed to, to become that leader in, in the medical field to lead a group of people? Yeah, I, I have always tended towards leadership positions, even before medical school. Um, but I think initially those leadership positions came from uh, being somebody who worked hard and they could see that you did well at your job. Mm-hmm. And I know you've talked about this before with others about how just because you're good at your job does yeah. not mean you're necessarily going to be a good leader. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then getting put into those um, leadership positions and having to learn how to work with people, how to understand how they um are motivated um, and those kind of things. But I think I really started uh, realizing how much I needed help in leadership. Uh, When I got into residency, especially my chief resident year, Mm -hmm. where I was responsible for about 75 people, their schedules, their issues, their, um, yeah, their complaints. And so that's when I think you and I's informal uh, coaching started really, because Mm -hmm. it started out as me just coming home and being like, I don't know what to do with this. (laughs) And, um, And so really gained a lot of insight into sort of the psychology, because really, if you don't understand people, it's hard to lead them. Mm -hmm. And so really taking a lot of those psychological principles that you obviously had training in and expertise in um, and using that there. And then it's continued. And I think probably become a little more formal as I came into private practice. Um, Like you said, we're not trained how to be leaders in medical school. We're trained a lot on, you know, how to help people and how to, you know, heal them and and all those kind of things. But we don't get taught how to be a leader. And 
inevitably, whatever branch of medicine you go into, you are going to be a leader of mm-hmm. people. And, yeah. um, so that is really challenging. And, um, I think requires some, some coaching or some, um, effort to educate yourself in that. Why, why do you think that is? Because I think as physicians, you are inherently going to be seen as a, as a leader. Why do you think there isn't more focus on the le- leadership training aspect in medical school and, and beyond? There, I think part of it is just time. Hmm. There's so much to learn and medicine isn't getting smaller. It's mm-hmm. getting bigger, hmm. new and newer medications, newer things that we've discovered. There's just all of those things. I mean, we don't get taught much about the financial part, billing and all those kind of things that we get put into mm-hmm. um, in practice either. And I think it's just a matter of time. And so you as an individual have to um, look at your mentors, your attendings, your uh, leadership, and you basically make this amalgam of, well, I liked what this person did. And I liked how this person did this. And mm-hmm. I didn't like how they did that. So I'm definitely not going to do that. And you make up your own leadership style, but it's certainly not a... Um, a formal training. And mm-hmm. I'm saying that from my experience, I don't know what other um, training programs have, and maybe they have a more uh, focused leadership program, but I definitely felt like I needed, um, I needed to learn how to do that. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to uh, follow up with something that you mentioned in terms of the lack of time for the training. I know even now in your position, you know, you, you don't, you don't have a lot of time to do those leadership activities and to do those leadership responsibilities. H- how do you manage to, to find a balance between the work that you have to do as a physician, seeing your patients, but the work that you also have to do as a leader, leading your team of nurses and, and MAs and so on and so forth? H- how do you manage that? It's been a challenge. <laughs> um, I started out just trying to carve out uh, time. You know, if you have a few minutes here and you can talk to someone or, um, you know, staying after work a little bit later, uh, finding some time during lunch. But it is definitely challenging because as a practitioner, you are scheduled time to see your patients, right? You have a certain schedule and and it's usually full. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I'm learning is that if I want to be a good leader, I have to make my own time. And one of the ways that I do that is still carving out that time when I can, but I've actually had to make decisions to, um, you know, close a couple patient spots so that I can go to this meeting or I can meet with this person. Um, those kind of things have to become a priority or they're not going to get done. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and you're also in this unique position because you are a physician, you're a physician leader, but as a board member on this private practice, you're also a business leader. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about that journey where you've, you've really become someone who better understands business and, and the impact of the business on your teams, on your individuals, and on your practice as well. How, how did you learn to, to step into that role as a business leader for this practice? Well, just like I was talking about leadership, there was no training on how to run a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very fortunate. I came into a practice where, um, you know, from the beginning, uh, I was uh, invited in and I was, you know, shown uh, how how the, the people who had started this business and run this business, how they uh, approached things. And, um, you know, as a... Um, as a new employee, I was allowed to be in those meetings. I was allowed to listen in and, and, um, start to get some idea of how this could go. Um, I remember after numerous <laughs> board meetings going and Googling things just cause I had no mm-hmm. clue about the business world. And, um, it's really been a little bit of trial by fire, but like I said, I've had some very supportive, 
um, board members who kind of showed me how how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that what you're saying there in terms of leaning on, on the experience of other people who have come before you. I think that's always very valuable. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your experience with me from the, the coaching consulting uh, perspective. Uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the, the first things that we did when we first started working together in terms of really working on you and, and, and uh, some of your strengths and your challenges. Tell us a little bit about what that was like for you and being somebody who was receiving informal coaching or, or consulting. Uh, how, what was that experience like for you? How, what did you gain from it? What was challenging about it? Um, I think for me, it's probably almost a little different than it is for others, just because I have the resource of you being there every day. So I can come home with each individual <laughs> issue that I have. Um, and not everybody's coach is going to be that available to them. Um, but I think initially, what was very helpful to me was hitting some of those basics. And when I say basics, they were basic to you. Um not necessarily something that everybody knows inherently. And so like what? one of those things that um, we did early on was crucial conversations, mm-hmm. how to have a conversation with people. And I think one of the, the big things I can remember uh, standing out to me was that um, idea of a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get into a meeting, you get into a discussion and people feel very passionate about their side of things. And, um, you know, you're, you're trying to argue passionately your side of things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it, it doesn't always occur to us that there might be a way that we both could be happy with this, that we both could be, yeah. um, that we could both win. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it takes, it takes stopping, you know, stopping that, that passionate, you know, fight that you're, you're giving and, um, you know, listening to the other person and it takes, uh, you know, stopping that emotional response, yeah. um, which isn't always easy. And like I said, isn't necessarily um, natural to most people. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that you, I love that you're, you're bringing that up because it's, it's more natural for us to think, okay, I'm going to win and I need to do what I need to, to win and, and not necessarily think about how do I get other people to win and how do we work collaboratively? It's more about what was best for me. And so I think even that, that basics, that you've described of, of thinking win-win, how can we both win is, is something that people aren't very familiar with. Well, and I think sometimes people think that their winning will help everybody, mm-hmm. right? We we even think that we're being sort of altruistic about our win, right? If, if we do this plan that I have, yeah. everybody will be better, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but, you know, if you can listen to the other side, if you can stop that emotional reaction, if you can take a moment to... Um, to listen to the other side, you can find that, you know, we're probably all trying to have everybody mm-hmm, do better. Mm-hmm. We're just coming at it from a different angle. And so you benefit from listening to that other side. Yeah. I think one of the things that sticks out to me from the work that, that we've done and that we did was that that starting with being more self-aware of your own emotions and how they were impacting the discussions that you were having or the arguments that you were having, or just that how they were impacting the, the, the relationship that you were having with others. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I, one of the things that, that also comes to mind, I think, when we're thinking about this thing is is really making sure that you're focusing on yourself and, and being more self-aware and taking the, that pause to really engage in, in that active listening activity, making sure that you're really trying to understand what, what, the, what the person you're working with is really trying to say, really trying to understand their perspective instead of just listening to respond. Yeah, active listening has become a big part of my entire 
um, I guess, career, um, because as you mentioned, they have different roles. And mm -hmm. certainly you have to be actively listening to your patients. You have to be actually hearing what they're saying mm -hmm. um, and, and clarifying with them what they're saying. Uh, they're not going to buy into what you are offering if you don't actually hear what's important to them. Um, and then working with teams, I mean, um, people are messy. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have to be able to, to hear what they are telling you. Um, I don't work in reception. I don't work in medical records. Um, I don't work in the financials. And so I have to really hear what those people are saying that they need, you know, that the problems that they're experiencing, those kind of things, because I don't know them. I'm not there. Mm -hmm, I don't have mm -hmm. their expertise. I'm not sitting in the trenches with them. And so, you know, actively listening to people is hugely important with working with the teams. And then obviously, same thing for business. Um, you know, running a business is certainly not my expertise. Mm -hmm. um, I have to take um, advice and perspectives from others um, in order to know what the best option is for us. Um, so active listening has become key in almost every arena of what I do. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you're saying there. Active listening is one of those, I think it's one of those foundational leadership um, skills and, and behaviors that people can can work on and, and can be really very powerful in helping you take a big step forward. So I think that's something that I've seen that you've done and, and has been really helpful. Uh, looking at it from the other perspective, what has been really challenging about working with with me as, you know, or as a coach um, from that experience? <laughs> <laughs> this is a loaded question. <laughs> um, so my coach is my husband. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes if you do not enact some of those things that you are advised to enact, there's uh, some frustration at the pace that you are picking up some of those concepts. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's, it's hard. You want to, with anything, and I, I think especially medical professionals tend to be those kind of um, perfectionist go-getters, mm -hmm. you know, really, um, highly motivated. And so you want to get everything right the first time, mm -hmm. right? You want to mm -hmm. be the setting the curve every time. And I think that a lot of these concepts, they take a lot of repetition and a lot of practice and you, you read the book, you have the discussion and, you have it again and mm -hmm. you read it again <laughs> and um, it, it's not, it's not intuitive and it takes practice. And I think for me, that's, that's frustrating. I want to get it right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I really appreciate what you're saying there because I think even from my perspective, it can be very frustrating when I can see uh, that you're, you're doing something that's going to lead to a negative outcome or, or not the best outcome. And uh, you know, I, I'm trying to, to provide you with the recommendations and suggestions to, to go in a, in a different direction that will provide the outcomes that you want. But as you're, as you're right, as you're saying, human nature it can be very difficult, right? Sometimes we think we know best, even when there's someone who has the clear expertise to help us. And it's it's not a, a once and done thing, right? I think this is the thing that comes with leadership development is that it's a continued process, you know, and, and there's going to be times where as a coach, I can see that you're, you're, you're taking uh, steps or, or actions that are not going to lead to the positive outcome. And I can make the recommendation, but I can't force you to to uh, enact those recommendations. And it's like the patients. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you the, give your expertise, <laughs> exactly. and then you right? have to step back and hope that you've built the 
the foundation and the rapport that it will come back to that. But I think what you're talking about there is important, right? Because if you've built that foundation, if you've built that relationship, even when things don't go well, they'll come back, right? They'll come back and say, that didn't work the way I thought it would. You know, how, how can we, how can you help me get where I, where I really want to go? And so sometimes it takes a while, but I think as with everything else, with coaching, that relationship is key, right? The, the, the strength of that relationship, that trust that you build there is really important to helping to lead to that positive outcome. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the, the things that you've done in terms of running the business. Cause I know that's something that you said you didn't really have a lot of experience with. What have you really found challenging about run, learning to run the private practice, be in private practice? Um, acronyms. <laughs> As I mentioned, I was Googling a lot early on, less so now, but not, not completely gone. Um, there's just so many aspects of business. I mean, people go and do an entire educational career, you know, bachelor's degree, master's, you know, people get a lot of education and in, in, in order to do these things and we get trial by fire. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, there's so many aspects of running a business. There's the the people side, right? Like yeah. um, trying to organize and trying to have happy employees and, and engaged employees. But there's also the financial side and there's the um, regulation side. And there's just so many moving parts that um, you really do have to learn how to uh, trust those around you. Mm -hmm. um, you really have to learn to listen to your experts. Um, so that's, that's challenging. Um, you want to do the right thing in every situation and, um, you don't always know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. That can be very challenging when you, as you said, you're, you want to do the right thing, but it's not always clear what that is, especially if you haven't been trained in, in that specific area. So I can definitely appreciate the challenge of that. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the work that you do in terms of the, the relationships that you have with your partners, because you have a group of partners that you work with. How does that help you to, to really function well as board of directors? Yeah, I think one of the nice things about um, a private practice is it's smaller, right? Um, so there's not a hundred of us, there's, mm -hmm. you know, about 10 of us. And um, that helps because I think uh, knowing people as people, mm -hmm. knowing mm -hmm. people as spouses, as parents, as, um, you know, friends, that really helps you um, when when you don't see eye to eye, mm -hmm. having that uh, little bit of personal relationship um, helps you understand that even though we're not coming at this from the same angle, I trust that this person is um, having the best intent, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We may not come at it from the same angle, but we're all trying to do the right thing. Yeah. You know, I, I always say that I think I, I look at our relationships in the business as the, the lubrication that allows the work to happen, right? If you, if you know people, you're more likely to cut them slack. You're more likely to, you know, to, to take their word for it and to trust them and, and, and to, to, to know and believe that they have the best interests at heart, even if they're approaching things from a different approach. So I think as you're outlining their relationships, which is again, people, right? Really the, the, the work with people is extremely important, regardless of the work that you're doing. Okay, Melinda, I know that you're, you're busy, so I want to be respectful of your time. I always ask everybody for a tip this day and age. So what tip would you give to, you know, to, to businesses out there, physician leaders out there, business owners or, and leaders out there? Um, I mean, we've already touched on it. I think one of the biggest things that has made a difference for me is the act of listening. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that uh, touches, like I said, every part of my job. Um, when I talk, you know, how I have a relationship with patients, how I work with um 
the, the staff, how I work with my colleagues. Um, you know, if I'm not hearing what they're saying, then we can't come to that uh, win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I think that what you're saying is makes a lot of sense in terms of actively listening to make sure that you understand people's perspective so that you can really understand what it is that they want. You know, you can't help them get what they want if you don't understand it, if you're only focused on what you want. So I really appreciate that. All right. Well, Melinda, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I, you know, I think it would be great if you agree to come back on the show. We can talk a little bit more about some of the work that we've done and some of the, the frustrations that you and I have both had from both sides. I think that'd be really interesting to have. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for coming on the show. We hope you'll come back. And to our audience, thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.